0: before we slide into this episode i just have to say if you haven't gone into our move to improve challenge that starts on march 6th now is your opportunity we actually have a discount code available for our community only it is code move use it at checkout our link is down below it's gen.health slash move and this is your opportunity to gain consistency by doing 30 days of mobility and strength and beyond just mobility and strength we're going to have core pelvic floor activations, muscle activations so you can really finally feel those glutes fire up, reduce those aches and pains within your body and start to move smarter. Be guided by a physical therapist and move with a huge community to gain that accountability. This is the time and I'm so incredibly excited to get started. I just can't wait to start doing strength workouts and feel strong within my body again. So I really hope that you'll come join us. Check that link below in our show notes and sign up. We've had a code change, so make sure you use code T-O-B so that you get 15% off. That is T-O-B, like the Optimal Body Podcast.
1: The so Haglund's deformity, or the pump bump.
0: Oh my gosh. Pump yes. bump. The irritation on the back of the heel that looks like a bony prominence is coming out.
1: Yes, and it'll feel hard, and some people get a lot of irritation here. Mm-hmm. And we really want to dive into what it is, why this might happen, who it happens in, and then of course really what to do about it. So this Haglund's deformity or pump bump is essentially a bony ossification or what, which is like a bony growth right where our calf and Achilles tendon attaches into our calcaneus or Mm -hmm. our heel Mm -hmm. and that can happen because of loading or because of the footwear that we wear. I mean a a lot of different things might contribute into us developing something like this
0: yeah especially if you wear heels i mean it's it's m- far more common in females especially ages 15 to 35 and then yeah. especially if you are more like if you wear heels more often so if yeah. whether that's required for work or anything just because of the position that you're putting your foot in and the, where that heel is kind of hitting One, we're losing our optimal foot control completely, and then we usually have a stiffer surface kind of rubbing into the back of that heel. All
1: right, so taking a little break on the discussion about Haglund's deformity, and you'll notice throughout the episode, we talk a ton about how some of the things you can work on are your footwear, also opening up that calf mobility and opening up that ankle mobility. And one incredible way to do that, all three of those things is get into Vivo Barefoot Shoes. It has the zero heel drop, so it's gonna make you utilize that ankle mobility more. It's gonna help work on chronically tight calves. I'm someone who's always had very tight ankles, very tight calves, and using Vivo Barefoot Shoes has really helped me work on that over the past three years. So if you want to try them out, go down to the link in the show notes. You can get 15% off when you use code OPTIMAL at checkout. And the great thing about Vivos is they have a 100-day risk-free trial. So you can try out a pair of shoes, and if it's not exactly the one that you wanted, you can always send it back try a different pair but go down to the link in the show notes use code optimal that'll give you 15% off and you can start working on those foot and ankle restrictions just by subbing out that footwear yeah so our when, when we wear heels or when you elevate your heel off the ground you're essentially putting that all those calf muscles and calf tendons at a shortened position mm-hmm. and especially if are doing that for long periods throughout the day especially if like we're working a job or we're wearing them for work and we're wearing them for eight hours straight. Then when we get home and we put that foot back flat on the ground, it can be kind of a shock for that calf muscle and that tendon to say, Oh, wow. Like I had an extra inch to two inches during the day that I didn't have to work throughout and now you're putting me flat and Maybe we go to the gym and put shoes on that have less of a heel Mm -hmm. lift and then we we do work or we do some exercise. We're we're asking that calf to do a lot um, in very different positions from wearing the heels versus not wearing the heels.
0: Plus, when we wear such a structured shoe, so even if it's more of like a dress shoe, like a male dress shoe or anything, typically we're we're not really finding that natural control of the foot. So the contr- your foot should be going from pronation to supination just naturally as it walks, but we kind of lose that that mobility within that foot and that stability. And then we're asking it to, you know, do exercise or cuz this is really common in runners especially. So if you don't have that full control or you have too much of supination and you're really high in your arch or you have too much pronation. So any one direction that we're kind of going, we can see how that can start to, especially on the back of the shoe and from that Achilles, that's going to start to cause some friction and irritation to the soft tissues back there, which could contribute to that bony growth starting to happen. And then Mm. that Haglund's deformity.
1: And then once we get the bony growth, people like to, you know, complain about oh, well, now it rubs on everything. Yeah. Now it, it always gets rubbed on when I wear those dress shoes. And I I would say I don't have a very significant Haglund's deformity and it's not something that bothers me on a, on a consistent basis. But I do have kind of where you'd see like a little bump on the outside mm-hmm. of that heel towards the calcaneal tendon. And when I wear things like dress shoes, it's always the spot mm-hmm. that I get those big blisters because the dress shoe rubs there weird. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of sympathize with when, when you wear misfitted shoes or shoes that aren't, you know, don't have the space for your foot to operate incorrectly, you know, it can really be painful. <laughs>
0: well, and you also have super high arches. I also like have your, super your high arches. Your feet are naturally a little stiffer, so you don't go into that natural pronation. And
1: very limited dorsiflexion <laughs> yeah. and tighter calves. So, I do fit the profile you do. <laughs> of somebody who <laughs> might load my, you know, insertion of my Achilles tendon a little bit differently or right. might put a little bit of extra load through there. And so that totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, so what should we do, you know, what, what should we do if this starts to happen to us? As we talk about with a lot of things, I mean, first step is calm this thing down. Yeah. You know, how can we start to calm down the areas above and below the Haglund's deformity? So how can we address things through the calf up towards the knee mm-hmm. and then all the way down through the foot Mm -hmm. to start putting less stress and strain on this area.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's where, you know, just starting to do, okay, maybe you are doing a little soft tissue work in the calf area to help relax some of that tissue. Because what we also see, obviously, from Haglund's deformity, and you kind of said it, you know, reduce dorsiflexion range of motion. So, reduce that ability to pull the toes back toward your shin can contribute to having some tightness through that calf and tightness through that Achilles tendon, yeah. which just that tightness alone can cause some irritation and rubbing. So, we definitely want to start to open up that mobility through that soleus, so kind of underneath that main calf muscle and then up into our calf. So, maybe doing some soft tissue work there, going into some stretches and as long as we're not having pain, because even a stretch can cause some irritation down into that Haglund's deformity. So even if it's just soft tissue, at least going into as tolerable of a stretch that you can do. And then, you know, then let's work at the bottom of the foot. Let's do, let's give some love to that foot, you know, stepping on a tune up fitness ball. One of those therapy balls feels so good when you kick off your shoes at the end of the day especially and just help to relax not rubbing back and forth but you know you're just allowing your foot to kind of melt over the top of that ball it just feels so good to get that compression and relax that tissue again yeah
1: i know i mean i love using that yoga tuna ball especially somebody who tends to have higher arches a little more tension in my plantar fascia area you know just using that to work into that and allow my foot to melt over that ball Super important. And again, as anything we would talk about that happens to be inflamed, like how can we modify some of the things that might be irritating it? How can we maybe modify some of the footwear we've been wearing? Like if we're wearing heels or if we're wearing very stiff, tight toed and tight heeled dress shoes that are irritating this, how can we change that up a little bit so i mean sometimes what i would do when i was going to school um because i always wore dress shoes and i had some that i knew would irritate my feet more than others Mm -hmm. i would literally wear like thick wool socks Mm -hmm. just so that i would prevent too much rubbing in that area Mm -hmm. to you know prevent any sort of blisters any sort of irritation in the area or if you can find a slightly different shoe yeah exactly (laughs) and now any wedding i go to any fancy event i wear (laughs) Vivo
0: barefoot.
1: Vivo barefoot shoes because they and have. And you get
0: compliments on them. <laughs> oh,
1: all the time. I get compliments and I, I get other guys who are like jealous. Yeah. And they're literally like, those shoes look so much more comfortable to dance in or to be in. Yeah. And they still look good. Exactly. And so I have my few dressier pairs of Vivos um, that I'll always wear um, to weddings or more formal events now. And it just has the space. It has the space for my toes. It has the ability, you know, the flatness and flexibility of the sole of the shoe that lets my foot move and more space in the heel. So I don't get any irritating rubbing.
0: And I will say as a woman, I don't wear Vivo barefoot shoes typically to weddings.
1: But you pay for it.
0: No, but I, what I do (laughs) is I only wear the heels through the ceremony. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So maybe we get our photo and I wear my heels through the yeah, ceremony the and then I photo. always switch into my sandals. And though they're not Vivo barefoot sandals, they have the strap on the back. And I think that's what's really important too, to remember. I mean, I know this is kind of going off topic now, but if you want something to be more supportive of your foot using a sandal that has the strap so your foot doesn't have to like work at the bottom, you know, especially if you're having something like stiffness, tightness, you know, you don't want that foot to overwork. So having just a gentle strap at the back of that sandal can help a lot. So that's my little hack at weddings. I'll just put that out there. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I mean, footwear wise, we do have that 15% yes, code for, Vivo. for vivos for podcast listeners only. There's a link down in the show notes that you could grab that special 15% discount. The code will be right in there when you go to the link. So make sure you check that out, especially if you're looking for something and you're noticing the shoes that you're wearing consistently are irritating your feet.
0: Yes, 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 yes. So incredibly important. So Yes, we want to do some activity modification. So that might mean for a little bit, maybe you are taking some time off of your runs or you're doing something a little bit different. Maybe you're doing backwards walking or you're trying to switch up. Yeah, you're getting on a bike. You're getting on an elliptical. Yeah. Getting in the pool exactly so how can you at least modify while you're still doing exercise so i think that's what's also important is that yes we might say okay for this moment we're not going to be running which i know for runners can be really hard to take time off of we understand but we don't want you to also be passive in your foot. So it's not just about resting your foot. So we're going to go into a lot of exercises that we think would be supportive during this activity modification. Yeah. And even as you work your way back into the activity.
1: Yeah. And I mean, again, it's always a play of how inflamed am I or like how yeah. how much am I in like an acute inflammatory phase versus like, is this becoming more of a chronic thing where mm-hmm. I can continue to load it and not irritate it more? So you you kind of always have to play with that. And if you're in a, a very inflamed state, I, I saw one place that it said like, you might need to just take some overall rest to like get that inflammation to come down. But in our opinion, there's always something that you can be doing, like riding yeah. a bike or getting in a pool is a very low barrier, very low um load that you'll be putting through that and mm-hmm. chance of irritating it more, but also while you're doing some of these exercises more. um, And we always want to bring up a little bit of, you know, what about surgery or what about other options for, you know, steroid shots to get that to calm down. Steroid shots, actually, this is one area that people said you do not want to be using steroids or corticosteroid shots, especially because the calf is so prone to rupture as a larger muscle, especially as we're, you know, getting into our 20s or 30s. And steroid shots are something that can cause the degradation or degeneration of tendinous mm-hmm. junctures or you know musculotendinous junctures. So we really don't want to be putting corticosteroids near the Achilles tendon.
0: Exactly. Because that literally is right into the Achilles tendon insertion. And so definitely want to stay away from those. Um, you know, yes, you want you can do some anti-inflammatory techniques and that's where we go back to, well, are you hydrating? Are you sleeping? What nutrients are you getting in? What, you know, what kind of are you having more of an inflammatory diet with a lot of processed stuff or processed sugars that are, could be contributing to the symptoms that you're feeling? Yeah. Um, your choice if you want to take NSAIDs, not not against it, not bad, especially for the short term. Um, and then the number one thing that, you know, research has recommended is physical therapy. So yeah. beyond any kind of surgery, you know, there, it's it just, you have to at least give PT six months (laughs) before you really are like, okay, this isn't working for me. I should go into surgery.
1: Yeah, that's what the the recommendations that we found said is like intensive physical therapy and adherence to that for six months before they would even consider recommending any sort of surgery. And even in the studies that we saw that compared people who did get surgery versus people who did six months of therapy and then had the option to do surgery if that didn't work, um, there, weren't, there wasn't much difference um, in, in the groups and even the people who had surgery, there was a significant amount of people who continued to have significant pain or yeah. complications um, and still needed to do intensive six months of uh, therapy afterwards. And that's what people don't understand even after you have surgery
0: it's not the fix
1: you're going to need to recover from the surgery and you're going to likely have an intensive physical therapy or rehab program that you're going to need to get into after the surgery anyway
0: yes exactly so why not let's start and let's get intensive and serious about actually doing the work now because There was the studies that also showed, you know, those who did the work and then still had the option for surgery, most of them did not opt for surgery after because they felt so much better and symptoms resolved within those six months of physical therapy work. So, what does that mean, right? What does physical therapy then entail?
1: I mean, the first thing that I think, as we mentioned, we got to work the ankle Mm -hmm. and we we have likely we'll see limited dorsiflexion or extra tension in the calf and so we have those two big main calf muscles the soleus which connects into the heel and then the lower leg and the gastrocnemius which attaches into the heel and then comes all the way up and attaches into our lower thigh above the knee Mm -hmm. so two different stretches we can do is kind of the wall calf stretch where you have the knee straight in one case and then the knee slightly flexed or flexed in the other case and that's going to help us stretch gastrocnemius, and soleus. And some things we really want to be paying attention to is are we keeping our foot in line with our leg? You don't want to be letting your foot kind of collapse or turn inward because then we're kind of compensating away from actually stretching those muscles, but really getting into that and holding it and breathing into it for minimum of a minute, if not more.
0: Yeah, that's what we really recommend. 30 seconds, 10 seconds. It's just not really, it's not really doing enough, but you also want to make sure that you're, especially because you're coming from where there's so much tension already built up, you know, around the Achilles tendon. You just want to make sure that when you're doing stretches, you are loading that area as well. So we want to be careful in not going too aggressive right away. Yeah. Um, so know that this is a process that takes, I mean, at least six months hopefully you continue to do it over (laughs) the course of your lifetime yes you know we need mobility constantly we need strength constantly so it is something that we work into our lifetime
1: which isn't to say you won't see improvement before right. six months. Right. You know, if you start integrating some of these things, you might notice an improvement pretty quickly, but that doesn't mean stop doing the things. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and that's where people get into a lot of trouble is they stop doing it as soon as they feel better yeah. and just go right back to like their higher activity. But with that said, because you have a longer period that you know that you're working with start, low and then gradually build into it. And then we also recommend direct ankle dorsiflexion stretches. So whether that's holding it passively, if you can't tolerate kind of like bending that knee and really pushing it forward over that toe to kind of get into that ankle stretch. Um, maybe it's even just starting with kind of putting your foot on a higher surface and rocking your knee forward and backwards. You know, that's even getting into a more... Active range and getting that knee to be able to start to tolerate going over that toe and getting that ankle into a bit more of an increased range of motion.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if you're just listening to this, we show examples yes. of all these things on the YouTube video. So you can always click over there if it's if you're interested in seeing what we're talking about. And, and so once we get done or not done again, because we're always going to want to be working on this, especially if we know it's one of our restrictions, like it is for me, I should be doing ankle mobility um, and and soleus stretching a few times a week. Do I do that? I think you, you do
0: <laughs> come back to it more often than most people would probably. For
1: sure. I mean, (laughs) I am also a physical therapist and try to do the things that I tell other people (laughs) to do, but I, I probably don't do it as much as would be good for my body or would be most beneficial for my body. But after we work on that mobility, let's go to strength. Yeah. And so one of the strengthening styles that our body responds to best is that eccentric style of strengthening, which we talk about a lot. It's the lengthening phase of the muscle. And for the calf, this looks like when our heels are lowering from something like a calf raise. Mm -hmm. So even just starting on the ground, two feet on the ground, we go up onto our toes and slowly lower those heels back to the ground. Mm -hmm. If that seems relatively easy, you know, the next progression. So you'd want to, of course, try that, do sets of 10 to 15, 20 of them. Do a couple sets and see how you feel the next day. If that feels fairly easy, you can always raise up with both feet take one foot off the ground and then lower down on one foot. So you're just doing one-sided eccentrics. Mm -hmm.
0: And then if you want to gain a little bit more range and allow that heel to drop a little bit further, we could actually just do it leaning against a wall. So if you lean against the wall and have your foot back, you can go into um, kind of an angled heel raise that way, or you can go onto a higher like step, or we use a book a lot where we just put like a thick one of our anatomy books thanks school down onto the floor and do our uh, got
1: some good use of those $200 raises, textbooks
0: <laughs> our heel raises there you know so and and this is where you want to do it in straight leg and also in bent leg because this is where just like we did the stretches in both straight leg and bent leg we want to also strengthen in both of those because that's going to hit the gastroc and the soleus differently
1: yeah. And so, I mean, that's like a great ankle progression. And then again, from that elevated surface, you can always move to doing raising up with both and then slowly lowering with one. Mm-hmm. You can then progress to loading it where you're holding some sort of weight, but again, making sure you're taking each step of that progression, giving it time so that you don't flare things back up and mm-hmm. then have to kind of return back to the beginning of this process. So that's great for addressing ankle and calf, but then our foot, You know, Mm -hmm. that's another huge part of the, you know, picture. We want to make sure, especially if we tend to have more flat feet or tend to have higher arches, that's something that could predispose us to having this issue with Hagelin's deformity. So how can we start working more on the pronation and the supination of our foot? Something that Jen always loves to show is kind of the rotating. And so if you're standing on your left foot, you rotate and kind of tap your right foot in front. Of you of in front of your left foot and then rotate open and tap your right foot behind you and this is going to kind of naturally get you pronating and supinating into that foot yes in a loaded position so mm-hmm. another place that we could start is kind of in like that ankle stretch you were talking about but just letting that knee dive inside the foot and then going outside the foot
0: yeah i mean you can even start you know, with basic strengthening exercises for those muscles as well, by using a, a band and kind of coming in and and co- going out, nice and slow, and going both directions. That's something that's very typical. You'd probably see in physical yeah. therapy clinics, even
1: like ankle inversion, eversion. Yeah, and that's really just trying
0: band. to get that increased range of motion under control with gaining strength. But we always want to make sure that we're loading something, so we don't want to stick to just those therapy. Um, you know resistance bands type exercises for too long
1: yeah and then the toes Yeah, you know if if our toes haven't <laughs> been getting as much movement as they should again lack of mobility in our toes can cause increased tension in our plantar fascia and all the way up that posterior and our muscles chain just
0: won't like work the same because if our muscles from our toes connect into the bottom of your foot well if you can't spread your toes, we're not activating the bottom of the foot very well. So that of course is going to play a role in how we're loading and how we're putting our foot down, especially if you like to run or do any activity, you know, that's kind of going to require a lot of foot strength. So getting those toes separated and being able to actively separate those toes, so incredibly crucial.
1: Yeah. And then finally kind of putting some of this stuff together, but one of our favorite things to go to anything lower extremity related is like the six way reaches where you're Mm -hmm. standing on one foot, tapping your foot to the side, front, back, crossing over and tapping on the other side of you. And then kind of doing that rotation where you rotate, tap the foot in front and rotate and tap the foot behind you. Again, we just tried explaining a bunch of exercises to people who are probably listening. So if you have any, or if you have any interest in what these look like and want to try them out, go check out the YouTube, but the basic premise is calm that heel down, Yeah. try and build some mobility in both your ankle, your calf muscles, and your foot, and then start building up that strength, starting from the easiest progressions, moving into something more functional.
0: And I will say, I'll just, you know, a lot of these exercises start to repeat every single time that we talk about some kind of foot injury, because a lot of it comes back down to those foundational basics. Like it doesn't have to be very complicated. As long as you continue yeah. to work on your foot ankle complex, it's going to improve. And if you want to know a little bit more about, you know, how to assess where your foot is particularly you know, restricted or make sure you don't get any of these, or you, you help prevent it further down in the long run, whether that's plantar fasciitis, ha- haglands deformity, any of these other issues, that's where we do have a barefoot mini course. And it just is a two week course that takes you through yeah. really quickly. You know, let's assess something on your foot ankle and let's give you an exercise. And then along with that exercise, you get resources that you get to learn and read from. So that barefoot mini course really takes you just 10 minutes each day, two weeks, you get to learn a ton. So you understand, oh, these are the exercises specific for my foot that I really need to be working on or I've been neglecting, you know, and it's just gonna help to bring that awareness. What tools are most beneficial? What tools are not? What are, you know, what's a little bit of BS out there? And then what do I actually need to do to kind of help? And I just wanna throw that out there because again, getting to know your own body and having that knowledge is so incredibly powerful. Thank you so much for sticking around and learning with us again. Of course, if you want to get a visual of what these exercises look like, I really highly recommend going to YouTube, subscribing to YouTube at DocGenFit. This is where you're gonna see all of these podcast videos, plus so much more uploaded so that you can actually see the exercise connected to what we're talking about. And each video is just a little bit shorter on these podcasts, but it gives you that idea of what are these exercises and how can I be adding them into my life? And we just appreciate you being here so much of course we're going to drop all of the links below for vivo barefoot and for the barefoot mini course if you want to check any of them out they will be linked below in the show
1: notes